Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. And time now to reflect on some wonderful performances around the country yesterday. None better than that posted by First Flow at Ascot in the Clarence House Chase. Before I speak to First Flow's trainer Kim Bailey, I must pass on the news just in that Thurless, I'm afraid, has failed its inspection and will not take place this afternoon. There will be no racing at Thurless this afternoon. It was quite amazing that we got all three domestic fixtures to go ahead yesterday in Britain at Asker and at Haydock and at Taunton. So let's say a very warm welcome and a, a massive well done to Kim Bailey on the success of First Flow in the Clarence House chase. Uh, Kim, I'd imagine there was a, a quiet, demure, restrained celebration last night. Um, yeah, I think that's the right way to describe it, Nick. And um, under normal circumstances, for a grade one, I would have taken all my staff out for a large drink and, and uh, let them enjoy the evening as much as I might have done later on. But sadly, it wasn't to be. But um, I think they will understand perfectly well that I'm really appreciative of what they've done. You're somebody that we, we all go to regularly because you're, you know, you're very approachable, easy to talk to, always willing to talk about your horses. In the lead up to yesterday, there was a certain irony in that it seems that nobody wanted to talk about First Flow at all. Was that irony lost on you? Um, it was a strange one. Actually, I felt that actually I had more publicity through it than I possibly thought I might get. So I had, obviously, Tom Stanley from doing a thing on Matchbook. A couple of other people rang me up about it, and uh, that was about it, really. Um, strangely enough, I mean, you know, we went into the race yesterday with five wins under our belts, a progressive horse, um, not really sure where we were. And, uh, you know, I rang Tony Solomons, his owner, during the week, and I said, we're definitely going to run on Saturday. Um, and yesterday morning, he rang me, having looked at the paper, and said, why on earth are we running in this race? We've got no chance. I said, Tony, we have to find out. You know, it's all very well going for a handicap, but we have to find out. Um, and, uh, you know, the horse deserved to go yesterday. And I'm, it's nice to go under the radar rather than over the top of it, if you understand where I'm coming from. Definitely, definitely understand where you're coming from. I just want to, to talk about the owner, Tony Solomons, because I was reading today that he is now in his 90s. He's been, a, he's been an owner with you for right since the beginning, hasn't he? Or a long time. Um, he was with me my second, yeah, my second season. So he's been with me for, well, as I say, I'm amazed he's 90. He should be about 40, really. But um, <laughs> it feels, you know, time flies very quickly, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, Tony's been with me, most supportive owner I think I've ever had, really. And uh, to give you some sort of idea what a man he is, I, I bought a horse some years ago in France for him. And uh, um, the horse arrived. And two days later, we turned him out in the field. And the horse, unfortunately, was hit with a thunderstorm. And not that the thunderstorm hit him, but I mean, he got up around the field and, and, and charged up the gate. And the gate was full of mud, and he slipped into, into the gate. And, and unfortunately, he injured himself and had to be put down. And I couldn't get hold of Tony. And I knew he was at Ascot. So I drove to Ascot on King George Day. And the first thing I said to him um, was, hi, Tony. He said to me, how's my new horse? I said, I'm, you're not going to believe this. But unfortunately, he's. Uh, he was killed this morning and uh, he said kim that's awful i said well you, you haven't received the bill you haven't seen the horse you haven't seen anything he said kim don't worry it's not your fault please replace him and i sold him half share and harry topper so harry, yeah he deserved he deserved his big win yesterday the harry topper went on to be a, a wonderful horse and now he's got you know dare i say an an even better one uh, that was a a really mesmerizing performance as well. There was something incredibly exhilarating about it. When David Bass started to engage down the back, what, what were you thinking watching on in the stand? 
Um, uh, probably I was thinking he's an effing idiot. Um, excuse my language. <laughs> I thought, what on earth is he doing? Um, but, you know, I've known David for long enough and I love him riding my horses because at the end of it, he does the unpredictable very well. Um, and he had utter faith in the horse. And, you know, in the paddock, we both said, well, the ground's going to be too quick for him. You know, and I said to him the last thing, I said, the last best performance of the horse's career was at Ascot on, on this sort of ground. So you know, who knows? Um, just go for it and see what happens. Um, and uh, we, neither of us expected to win. Uh, but no, we did hope for a very big race, and we thought if we finished third, we'd be thrilled. But, you know, he, he did things that we'd never seen him do before, and um, jump and gallop. We knew he'd stay. Um, I've always said he's the toughest horse I've ever come across, and he'd run for a brick wall for you. Um, and yesterday he did. But having said that, and I know he's had plenty of experience, you have... You have minded him a little bit. You haven't put him in the heat of grade one competition too many times in his life. And was that a conscious decision to try and, to try and nurture him to this point? Well, do you know, I'm a great believer in fate and funny things happen in your life. And, and this horse I bought from Kerry Fanshawe and Robert Fanshawe as, as a four-year-old and, and, um, and we saw him work in, in Lambourne and uh, Tony had asked me to buy a horse for him. Um, and I thought, well, fine, this will do the job. Um, we ran him in a couple of bumpers. Uh, ran him a few times over hurdles. He had a very soft ground season, his first season over hurdles, and he ended up winning that race at uh, Haydock yesterday as a novice. And, you know, he went to Cheltenham with a fancy chance and, and probably shouldn't have gone there because the ground had gone against him. But we were being a little bit careful and stupid, really, because we felt it was Tony Solomon who was keen. He didn't think he'd ever have a runner at Cheltenham again. Um, so that was a mistake. And the following season, which was going to be his novice chase career, um, we were due to run him at Hereford first time out, and he had a dirty track wash the day before, so never ran. And the rest of that season, the ground was good, good to firm, so we never ran him. And Tony was unbelievably supportive and said, look, you know, I know that I've got faith in you, and, and I believe in the horse. Let's be patient. Um, we never ran him over fences. We finally ran him once more on the Imperial Cup at Sandown, because that was the only time we found soft, heavy ground. And he ran very well to finish fifth. And in hindsight, of course, that's given the, the horse 12 months to really mature and fill out. And, of course, last season he came through and ran a couple of times at Ascot early on because Tony could get to Ascot. And um, he progressed all season to win his last four races very, very comfortably. Um, I know we were pot hunting, but he was doing it on, we were doing it on purpose. We wanted to go and see whether we can get him going forward. And this year we started off um, and his performance at Ascot first time, I, I thought, was almost more stunning than yesterday because... Uh, he came from behind, which is something we never thought he could do. Um, and his jump at the last that day was um, a, certainly a do-or-die moment from David, which he produced again on numerous occasions yesterday. You know, if he got it wrong, they had a roll past the winning post, not um, gallop past it. Um, so, you know, patience has, has been put in my hand by the fact that we've um, had circumstances that give him time. And as you pointed out and you talked so warmly about, Tony, not every owner would have, would have been perhaps as patient and, and as, as understanding. And, your your career has been very much back and, and and on the up now for quite a long time. You know, it's 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 rather reductive to say, oh, you've just come back to the big time because you've been training important winners now for 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 a decade. But there there was a period which was fallow. Do you think without people like Tony Solomon's, you'd still be training horses? Well, I mean, the, the, you know, I, I I had a rotten time up in Northamptonshire. Um, everything went wrong. Um, you know, we were virtually closed down my foot and mouth. We had a gallop washed away. We went from 90 horses down to about 30 in, in a matter of weeks. And it was an unbelievably trying time. And um, the owners that stuck by with me have all had good horses since. And I'm hugely appreciative of the fact of their support because, uh, um, you know, we did lose owners. It was very sad to lose them. And uh, 
Um, quite a few of them have come back now. Um, but, you know, it is, it is a trying time. You have to look back and say it was a, quite honestly a, a shit time, if you want to say that. But, uh, you know, I look back at life and say, well, we're very lucky. We moved to Thorndale Farm and with 25 horses. Um, we gradually built up. Um, Peter Kerr, who runs all my syndicate, was a major player in getting syndicates together. Uh, Matt Nichols joined me from Tom George. Oh, well, he actually went via Carla Wedding when he was um, um, in Lambourne. And uh, um, Jason McGuire was obviously a major factor of riding for me as well. And it's been a slow process, and I've got a really good team behind me. And this is a team sport. Let's not face it. I'm sitting here talking to you, but there's a lot of people behind the scenes who play a major factor into any yard. Um, and getting back to where we are is a strength of character for everybody. And uh, owners are, and staff are hugely important. And obviously, people buy the horses, etc. You know, Aidan Murphy has played a major factor in buying a lot of these horses as well. So it's been, it's been a time I've really enjoyed. I forget the bad times very quickly and, and look forward to the good times. And the good times have been really good since we've been here. It's funny, actually, I was watching the race at Taunton yesterday on, on my phone. And I was watching it with Ollie Murphy, who had a winner down there, Aidan Murphy's son. And Ollie was, was cheering you on, but he said, oh, my God, he said, if, if Bassey doesn't get Politolog beat, he'll get himself beat. There was something, that, that was what made it so exciting to watch. There was something sort of so counterintuitive about the whole thing, wasn't there? Um, it was extraordinary, really, because, I mean, you, I, knowing Bassey like I do, um, you could see him halfway down the hill thinking, right, mate, let's take you on. And I thought, oh, no, this is going to be a war of attrition. And... Uh, um, Bassey loves that sort of thing. I mean, he, he, you know, I've had plenty of people in the past say, why can't he sit still? Why does he fire his horses at fences? He has an awful lot better than he is now, what he was some years ago when he fired them every single fence. Now he waits for the moment. But on the big occasions, he, uh, you know, he knows how to ride these horses. He knows the horses backwards. Um, and for him to go and do what he did on first flow was extraordinary, really, because the horse won't jump at home. I mean, he crashes through every single fence at home. We school him over telegraph. Well, we did telegraph poles. We now school him over tractor tyres. That's the only way we can get the horse to show any respect. So, as he said afterwards, he said, you won't believe it. You can jump a horse like that round Ascot. You can't jump a small fence at home. I, I, I wondered watching him yesterday, watching David Bass yesterday, whether we all ought to be on a, on a vegan diet or all ought to do veganery or whatever. If, we're, if, we're, if, we're, if, all, if it makes us all that brave, that fearless, that single-minded... And, you know, and, and, and you know, completely <coughs> impervious to any kind of outside pressure. Um, I think he's a bit of a nutter, isn't he? I mean, the horse <laughs> and, the, and he go well together. Um, I use nutter because obviously nuts are obviously something very much in his diet because at the end of it, as you say, he's a vegan. He comes in here, we give him a chocolate bar, he goes mental at me. Um, and he was horrified when I said last night, I'm afraid on this occasion, I think I'm going to break my dry January and open a bottle of wine tonight because I've got to have something to celebrate. And he looked at me in amazement. I imagine he was going home for a lemonade. I know um, we've made much of the fact that it's your first grade one win since 1995. And when I said it at the beginning of the show and said it's 26 years, I started to make myself feel a bit, a bit old um, as well. Because I can remember Master Oates and Alderbrook like it was yesterday, as I'm, I'm sure you can. I know you've, you've talked about the difficult times in between, but you do, if you're an optimist like you are, you, you do remember the good bits. And the bad bits sort of start to ebb away in, well, into the back of your mind, don't they? Yeah, I don't think you should ever turn back and remember bad things. I mean, if it's something, if you spend your entire life remembering bad things, there's something seriously wrong with you. Um, you've got to be positive in life. You've got to look forward to the future. Um, and um, you know that that famous um, advert, you know, the future's bright. You've got to you've got to be positive in life. And if you're not positive in life, there's absolutely no chance you're ever going to succeed anywhere. And uh, 
Um, I was determined when I came here to make it work. And uh, um, a lot of hard work goes into it, but I mean, you, you know, you, I'm lucky enough, I, I get paid for something I love doing. I'm, you know, it's not a job to me, it's a way of life. And, you know, if I was lucky enough to win the multi-million pound lottery tomorrow, it wouldn't change my life. I would still do exactly the same thing. The only thing, I might buy some incredibly expensive horses. <laughs> I, um, well, you might get bought some incredibly expensive horses. I mean, people are creatures of, <laughs> you know, they, they, do, they do follow fashions. I, I, oftentimes trainers will say off the back of a big win they haven't had a single phone call, but when it sort of wins at grade one level, you must, or, or graded level, you do, you do find people coming, coming to you more. You said, as you said, some owners are boomeranged back to you. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the hardest thing at the present moment in time is that, you know, yesterday, big day like it was, there was nobody there. Um, and half a trainer's job is, is, is meeting people, and meeting people is perhaps the, the most important way of finding new owners. And um, we've had a, a really good season this year. We've had, you know, winners at all the big tracks, and uh, we haven't had situations to be able to go around and meet new owners, new people, or, or anything else. And it, it is difficult. That's the, that's the really hard part. Oh, you no, know, Harry Fry picked up some good owners by meeting them in the, in the owners and trainers bar. And I mean, that's how you meet people, because at the end of it, um, it is a word of mouth situation. And you walk into a box having had a grey one winner. The chances are you might walk out that box with someone saying, go on, if you see a horse, let me, you know, will you buy one for me? Or can I get involved in a share or whatever? And missing that opportunity is, is, is the biggest downside of everything. But uh, having said that, I wouldn't swap the season for anything. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a, a good season to have a good season, because frankly, racing's been a big flag bearer to what's been going on in our life. And it's shown on TV and, you know, with the ITV and the Racing Channel and Racing UK, it's been so good for, for, for people sitting at home doing nothing. They've given them a, a whole new meaning to life, which has been fantastic. And you were saying about your chance meetings with owners can get, can get you horses. And we saw it yesterday with Rich Ritchie's horse, Royal Pagai, winning at Haydock. And a chance meeting with Venetia Williams. He said, if you ever find a good one, think of me. And hey, Presto, they've got a gold cup horse. And funnily enough, when he won that and people were talking about the gold cup and your victory there, it almost reminded me of that amazing season that Master Oates had when he started the season really as a complete non-entity and ended up, ended up winning the gold cup. Um, very similar. Both horses wanted very soft ground, um, and I remember we won the Greenall Chase at Haydock, which has reverted to Kempton because it was so wet at, um, at Haydock they had to abandon, and Kempton ran the same day as the Racing Post Chase. Um, you know, we won the Welsh National, not in Wales, but at Newbury because it was abandoned at Chepstow. I mean, um, he was he was an extraordinary horse for for, for the ground that he he prevailed on really. But you know, he ran a blinder in the in the in the um, in the Grand National to finish fourth on top weight on ground that was too quick for him. But these horses, they're, they're unique, and Venetia's horse is hugely impressive, and I, I've got a lot of respect for him. I mean, we took him on first time out this season in a novice chase with a horse called Espoir de Romay, and, and David still can't believe he beat us as easy as he did, and we gave him five pounds. So we have to look back and realize he was a very good horse, and there's a horse that's progressing. And so often, uh, with one of Venetia's, he had very little form going into the race from last season, and just keeps on, on improving. And I think, you know, the, the fact that we've talked about a lot of the very good horses who are pre-made, if you like, ending up in so few hands, I think everybody appreciated the fact yesterday there were some, not smaller trainers, but some different trainers on the honour roll of some of the biggest races on a, on a Saturday afternoon. I don't think that fact was, was lost on anyone. Now, we, I bumped into you, Kim, at, at Lords, I think, in 2019, and you, um, you said to me, apropos of not very much at all, did you know that I think I'm the... 
I'm the second longest serving national hunt trainer in the country. Is that? <laughs> Thank you, Nick. That's very kind. And um, I think that conversation we need to pass over quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to produce youth here and people to have horses in training with me. I don't want to be longevity is one thing, but um, uh, um, it is, a, it is um, yeah, no, we've been at it a long time. And uh, I started very young, Nick. I think that's the right way to well, describe it. I, I, didn't, I didn't sense that it was a source of frustration. I sensed that you, you had a bit of pride in it. I mean, you, and you did, you, did, you did start really young, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, I started. I mean, I had my first one when I was 24. Um, and... Uh, um, you know, we've been at it a long time, and I, I, you know, I, I remember every single win, every single winner. I've got a, um, I, you know, all the big winners I can remember very easily. But every, you know, if you ask me about any horse that um, I've had over the years, the chances are I remember exactly where it won and what it did. And, you know, they've all been memorable moments. And um, I had, I've got a current syndicate horse at the moment, which has got um, some people in who were involved in my very first horse that I'd bought uh, and my first season. Um, and uh, it was a horse called Brig. It was ridden by Sam Mooreshead, and, and the owners had come back in, and uh, um, we've got shares with me now, which I think is lovely. I just think that's a really good sign that they've, you know, they've followed through after all these years, and I think that's a, um, a testament to time for all of us, really. I mean, you, you put all your kind of experience and thought, and you've told us the thought process of getting first flow to yesterday. Uh, could, you have, I mean, could you have done that age 24? Because you've got a horse like that to do what he's done in those days or not. I think, I think it's very different because in those days you could actually have a novice chaser which would go through the season and win seven races. Well, I mean, nowadays it's now and impossible. I mean, you take, go back to Mr. Frisk, I mean, he won seven races his first season as a novice chaser. Well, you know, it, it doesn't happen anymore because the races are framed where you can't do that. Um, so your, 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 your situation has completely changed. You know, you just had Richie Forrestal um, on five minutes mm. ago, and, uh, you know, he used to work for me. He was a conditional jockey with me. Um, and, uh, you know, he rode some really good horses for me. And um, it, it's extraordinary how um, the racing life has changed dramatically over, what well, I was going to say, a short period of time. But for anybody else, it's been quite a long period of time. But racing has changed, and the framing of racing has completely changed. Um, and there's been a lot of things about... Um, the fact that the Gold Cup horses don't run in handicaps, and obviously yesterday that might be a case that's proved wrong. But you know the Borough Hill lads of this world—they carry top weights and, and, and big handicaps. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, people are too frightened to go and do it, and they're looking after their horses in a, in a very different way than they used to. I mean, I think Hen Knight probably started that with when she took her horse off to to win three Gold Cups by not running him very often, and um, it, it, it's filtered down really in many respects. And we are very guarded to, uh, towards our horses now. Now, I, I'm certainly not suggesting, and I, I, I know you didn't want me to say that thing about how, how you were the longest-serving trainer in the country or whatever it was, and I, I'm certainly not <laughs> suggesting that you should be in an institution yet. But you, I, it did strike me when I was putting this show together that... Um, I made it sound very grand, no-one puts this show together. Anyway, when I was thinking about the show, that, um, that you are something of a racing institution because the, there was the link with Richie Forrestal who rode for you as a conditional jockey and we had him on, he's one of the senior journalists on the Racing Post. I'm about to talk to Joe Chambers, who's the racing manager to Rich Ritchie. I will be talking about Royal Pagai. I'll also be talking about Monkfish. And I looked there and of course the, gr the grand dam of Monkfish was probably one of the best mares that you've trained, Martimic. So you, you sort of are linked everywhere. The spokes of the Kim Bailey wheel are all over this, all over this program this morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Martinbeek, she, she should have won the Sunlight's Novice Chase. Um, we were beaten uh, by Mr. Lecure uh, with John Edwards, um, and, which is frustrating. She went and won the Martel Cup after that. She was a very, very good mare. 
Um, she was a complete cow, quite honestly. She would bite and kick and do everything you could possibly imagine. Um, and I, I, I bought her offspring, um, Martovic, um, which, which is the dam of this famous horse now. And uh, Alan Horsell owned it, and she wasn't much good, quite honestly. Um, but, I mean, if he kept her as a broodmare, who knows? Anything would have happened. But, uh, you know, I sent him a text message the other day saying, God, I bet you'll wish you kept her now. But, of course, if he had, it wouldn't have produced the horse we had because it's all about mating. But, uh, yeah, no, it's extraordinary. Um, Martovic was... Um, a long time ago, a very, very good horse. And I, I bought it off um, Joe Crowley, who's obviously father-in-law, or was father-in-law, to Aidan O'Brien. Well, as my children often tell me, talent sometimes uh, skips a generation. And it, it clearly has done in, uh, it clearly has done in, <laughs> in this case. Um, Kim, before I let you go, I can't not ask, are you just going to bowl on and, and roll the dice in the champion chase with first flow? Well, obviously, it's something now we're going to have to think very seriously about. There's not much else for him. Um, the horse is absolutely fine this morning. He's eaten up last night. He's bright, bright and perky, as he always is. Um, definitely. And we have to think very seriously about it. And, um, yeah, I think we'll be going to Cheltenham if the ground is on the softer side of good, which invariably it is. Um, Simon Clay's for water is according. I shall take him out for dinner a few times to make sure he puts extra water on for the <laughs> champion chase. And, uh, yeah, it'll be great. I want to go there, and I would just dearly love to win it. I have every right to go there now. We won yeah. the horse when it's progressive, um, and his performance yesterday suggests that, you know, we have to go, and, I'm, and that's where we're up for. And, and you know, as well as I do, and everyone does, and I was with Paul Nichols at Taunton yesterday, and he is the most competitive man out there, and he said straight after the race, no excuses, we're beaten by a younger, better horse on the day, and you've got to take your hat off to them for, for serving it up from, from so far out. And... Yeah, I thought, well, if there was ever any... Well, it was good at Paul, and he sent me a text. And Paul sent me a text after, which was very kind of him. Um, and bizarrely, I had a phone call from Andy Stewart in Barbados, um, who rang me to say, well done, and pass on my congratulations to um, uh, Tony Solomons, because he used to work for Tony Solomons and singer in Friedland many years ago. And he had John Hales with him, who came on the phone and said, well done as well. So there you are. It's a small world, isn't it? Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiworld Dubai.